open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. All right, since then I've lost my handkerchief. Kelly, is it right there? Thank you, darling. The 11th in our series on Hebrews 11, the series by faith, facts, myths, and miracles. And today I want to speak to you on the subject of the proving of your faith. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac shall your seed be called. Abraham accounted that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. Let me read these to you in 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. One more, 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9. Wherein now greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold test, that the trial of your faith, being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the end result, receiving the end of your faith." even the salvation of your souls. You may be seated this morning. Josh, can you turn this up just to touch? It sounds like I'm going in and out. God has given to every man a measure of faith. But everyone does not have the same faith. Some in the New Testament, Jesus said, you had little faith. Others, he said, great faith. And even others, he said, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. It is not an issue for us this morning. Uh, We've discussed it before about where did our faith originate? Because if it did not come from God, it's coming from man or based on human ideologies or philosophies. But your faith, if it is from God, will be tested. There is no such thing as unproven faith. All of us will be tested. All of us will be tested often. And we will all be tested thoroughly. Now this is not a testing like someone will say when they were tempted. Well, God's just testing me. No, the Bible says in James 1 that God does not tempt people with evil. We are tempted to do evil when we are drawn away of our own lust. And by lust we are enticed. And lust when it is finished bringeth forth sin and sin bringeth forth death. That's not the testing we're referring to. But our faith will be tested, set to fire, put on trial, so that God and others may render a verdict if it is genuine, if it is authentic. Remember that God does not test you to punish you. He tests you to prove you. Remember who it is that's doing the testing The Lord, the Lord that knows us, the Lord that loves us, the Lord that owns us, the Lord that cares for us, the Lord that watches over us, the Lord who is faithful. One of the worst things we as Christians can do is assess our life and feel like it's just out of control and subject to demon powers and fate and all hell has its way. Your steps are ordered of the Lord. And every test that comes to your life originates in the mind and the heart of God. Every test. These tests are intentional. They are specific. They are monitored and they are controlled. The devil doesn't test Christians. God does. And that brings a a comfort to me knowing that he's not targeting me to expose my weaknesses He is displaying me to prove my strengths. 
and the life that I have in God. You remember the story of Job, and we won't get into all the tragedy, but it was God that picked that fight. And the time when the angels came before the Lord, Satan came into the presence of God, and he said, where have you been? And of course, God knows all things, but he's demanding respect and communication, and it was written so that we could see it. He said, I've been walking to and fro throughout the whole earth, which God knows that he's the author of, of lies and destruction and deception. And God said, have you ever thought about checking Job out? He's an upright man. And Satan kept coming back when Job wouldn't fall and coming back when Job wouldn't fall. Well, John, I thought you said the devil did, doesn't do the tempting. That originated with God. God can use anyone and everyone, but he monitors it. And he says, now don't, don't, don't kill him. And so for us, it's important that we never feel like our life is spinning out of control because in that moment, we tend to make decisions based out of desperation instead of faith. Faith says, I know what it may look like and I know what it may feel like, but my God sits on the throne of my life and nothing that comes my way has not passed through his hands because it originated in his heart. It originated in his heart. Remember why it is that you're being tested. So that your faith can be purified. So that it can be firm. So that it can be revealed as an exclusive, reliant trust on the Lord Jesus Christ. These tests are what God uses in this dispensation, in this age, to separate those who profess salvation and those who possess salvation. Because he that is born from above overcometh the world. You overcome the last thing you came out of. You overcome the thing that was supposed to kill you. You overcome the thing where other people wrote you off. You overcome the thing that almost made you lose your mind. You overcome the thing that caused a nervous breakdown. You overcome the thing that caused the ulcer. The thing that you can't go through, you get through because you are born from above. You've heard me talk about that little bolo. Y'all remember that thing, those of you that are older than 25 or 30, maybe 40, older than 40, that you'd blow it up and it was shaped like a clown and you'd hit it and it'd come back up and you when you you're real little you go I'm gonna hit this one so hard and you the harder you hit it the faster it would come back up and I, you know as a kid I didn't understand that but as an adult I do now that things comes back up because it's weighted in the bottom and you have this treasure in you in your earthen vessel the weight of glory eternal life. And no matter what life does, no matter how hard it hits you, oh, we hit the bottom, but we come back up because he that is in us is greater than any external force on the outside of us. Christianity is not proven and God is not glorified by me living a life exempt of difficulty. It's in the overcoming it's in the overcoming that brings God glory. When you see a weak vessel like us that has no gifting, no capacity, no, no potential, no abilities, no variables to do the thing God's called them to do or to get through, and somehow they make it through anyway. People stop complimenting you and they say, the Lord, the power of the Lord, the name of the Lord, the, the faithfulness of the Lord. This story of Abraham reminds us also that nothing is off limits to the one being tested. I don't want to make this the focal point, but I do want to mention this to you before very briefly we go through this message. As a pastor, and those of you that preach and teach, you will understand this. When you prepare, you can't just write notes down. You, you have to... You have to be that or own that. You have to assess that. And it's very hard to preach a subject matter you don't believe or you're not surrendered to. And it's like it jumped off the screen at me when it said he gave Isaac. 
There's nothing off limits. Your babies, your health, your possessions, your dreams. And I was at the computer, and it didn't take me just a moment, and I started crying at the, my desktop Friday. And I said, I just want to tell you again, you can have my babies. And I'm not saying this to sound dramatic. I'm just telling you as a fellow believer. I said, if you take them, I, I, I'd rather you just take me too. I don't, I don't want to live without them. But God doesn't want prominence. He wants preeminence in our lives. And this morning, I know it was a lengthy introduction, but I'll shorten the sermon and we'll be okay. Is there anything that you're keeping from Him? Is there anything more important than Him? Because that thing you keep from God will keep you from God. He has to be the foremost. And isn't it funny that Abraham, the father of the what? Faith, those that believe. The one thing God wanted to know is, more important than anything? Am I more important than anything? That's how he qualified. That's where we knew that his, that's the faith that we follow that says God first. May I pray one more time for me? Do you mind? Father, I just humble myself before you today and I ask for an anointing from heaven that would make this word come alive. Lord, we are not coming to be entertained. We are not coming to see who's here. We want to hear a word from you, O oh Lord, that will penetrate in our soul, that will turn lights on. Not just bring comfort, but bring correction, bring challenge. And Lord, may we leave today saying of assurity, assuredly that the, today, this day at Christ Chapel, I heard the Lord's voice for my life. Let it happen today, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is not an exhaustive list, but your testings will include, number one, following God in the way he is leading. Abraham Right out of the gate, God called him out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldees and said, follow me and I'm going to take you to a land that I'll show you about later. Just let's go. The first step in faith, the first step of testing is who gets to decide where you go in your life? Who gets to decide what you do? Who gets to decide where you work? Who gets to decide who you date, who you marry? The person that's unsurrendered, idolatry is more than just bowing down at a stick carved and lighting a fire and praying. Idolatry is who is the final say in your life? Who's the first say in your life? And Abraham followed the Lord and you'll be tested. You'll be tested when God goes a direction you don't want to go. You'll be tested when God closes a door in a direction you want to go. And we can cry and fall out. And I tell you what, we always talk about when we get to heaven, we're going to thank the Lord for all the things he's given us. Yes, but when we come into full knowledge and we see everything he kept us from. Oh, y'all are quiet. I'm, I'm going to have to play with you just a little bit. You know 20-year class reunion? Your heart's beating a little bit because you want to see that girl you dated. You want to see that boy. And you see him, first thing out of your mouth, thank you, Lord, that you kept me from that. You was praying. He's the one. I had a vision. I had a dream. Like, there wasn't no vision. That God wasn't in that. The Lord, he leads us and will be tested in those leadings. You'll be tested to go to places and go directions you don't want to go. And you'll be tested to see if you'll stop going in paths that you want to go because he's going to be Lord of your life. And this one is harder to hide. You can hide your alcohol and you can hide your illicit behavior and you can hide your lust, but you can't hide who's Lord. You can't hide who directs, all right? Let's talk about pastors for just a moment. Why is it the Lord always leads them to a bigger church? You ever thought about that? Guys at a 200-member church and a pulpit committee comes in and he goes to a 500-member then he goes to a 1,000-member. Don't God ever take you south? 
I told you I bounced back, baby. I told you. It just comes right back. Y'all quit playing back there this morning. If I paid y'all, I'd fire you, but I ain't paying you. But have you ever thought about that? Doesn't the Lord ever take you this way? The reality is the Lord will raise a man up in business and take him all the way back this way and say, start over, over here. Up is not the Lord's direction. Peace is the Lord's direction. He troubles your soul. I don't care what they're offering, baby. You tell them no. No. Well, it's just too good to turn down. Write that down. Go ahead and get your... A Radio Shack wood burning kit and write that on the wall and that will come back to haunt you. All you want is God's plan for you. All you want is God's plan. Even though when you're following God, you may have to, even though he's leading, his leading is not in the common way or the popular way or the familiar way or the easy way or the straight way or the obvious way. God's leading will be the perfect way. As for the Lord, his word is perfect, the Bible said. He's a buckler to those that trust him. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll guide you with my eye. You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. See, when I first came to the Lord, he walked in front of me. He said, come on, John. Come on, John. And we're taking baby steps. And we thought just coming out of all of our Carnal habits was the hard part. We thought that was the hard part. Boy, were we wrong. And, and you come out, and the Lord's like, come on, come on. But as you mature, he steps behind you where you can't see him. And you hear a voice behind you. This is the way, walk you in it. Is that you, Lord? It's me. I don't see you. I don't see. I don't. Yeah, but you know my voice. And Christians can walk when all the lights are off. Christians know, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And another one's voice, they will not follow. Satan said, I'll make them so confused. He said, turn all the lights off because there's a light in their soul that illuminates and lights their path. I know he hates it. I know he hates it when he hears believers like me and you say, I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what's in front of me. I don't know what's around me, but I know who's ahead of me and I will follow his leading. And those that follow the Lord, those that trust in the Lord are never ashamed. Number two, our testings include believing God for the things he has promised. See, some of you saw that baby dedication today and for you, it's about a child. Are you, for you, some of you is like, oh, no, no, this is someone's life. This is the deepest longing of a person's life. And doctors said, we can't help you. And the groups of people can't help you. And when, even when agencies can't help you. And you feel the Lord has given you a word. And some of you may not know this, but there's a, a lady in our church who's spirit-filled, listens for the voice of the Lord. Months and months and months ago, came up to her as we were praying for people who were believing for a miracle. And she come up to her and she said, look, I, I don't know your position or anything. I don't know what all's going on. But I believe y'all are going to have a child. And I saw a banner over you and your husband, and the word joy was written on it. Separate from that, Myra's praying for a baby, and she said she believed the Lord had told her it was a little girl. And the girl's name was Joy. Unbelievers will hear something like that and just write it off. But Christians know. Christians know that God who foreknows everything, makes promises based on that foreknowledge that it will happen. It will happen. It doesn't need your help. It doesn't need your maneuvering, manipulation. You just believe because God has said. And when you believe what God has said, virgins can bring forth messiahs. She said, be it unto me according to the word of the Lord, according to what you say. When he told her about the plan, she said, how can these things be? I'm a virgin. I've never been with the man. And the angel said, well, God's going to come upon you. And the power of God is going to overshadow you. His Holy Spirit's going to surround you. 
God's got this. It, this was planned. And when you see yourself praying in the will of God, not trying to create a plan, but to fulfill a plan already laid out, the pressure's off. Joy had to come. She had to come. Izzy and Olivia had to come. Elisha had to come. Your marriage has to happen. Your restoration has to happen. Your healing has to happen. Time out. Then what of those that die? In the resurrection, they will stand glorified. That's what happens. You, you win. His word happens. Every knee will bow, just like he said. Every tongue will confess, just like he said. Every believer will receive a glorified body, and there will be no more sickness, no more pain. The former things will be passed away because God has made all things new. It's going to happen like he said, just like he said. You got to believe for the impossible. You have to believe for the improbable. You have to believe for what other people don't believe with you. You'll have to believe by yourself. And if you've got God's word on the subject, you are not only in the majority, you are in the absolute promised result, and it will happen. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, the redeemed them their under law, that we might receive the adoption of sons on just the right day, at just the right moment, at the exact manger, at the exact spot, Born of Mary, Christ was born just like it was planned. I remember I was on an airplane several years ago and I was going to preach somewhere. I forgot they all blur together. It was a church, I'm sure. And I was reading my Bible and I was reading the story of the resurrection. And the Bible says that they went to the tomb and uh, there was an angel who had rolled the stone away for it's massive. And the angel was sitting on the stone and said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He got up just like he said. And for me, I don't think it's just an over-exaggerated imagination. I just think I have one. That was a joke. I don't believe the angel, okay, it said he sat upon the stone. I don't believe every biblical character and every divine creation of God is stoic. I believe in a laughing Lord. I do. I, I can just throw this. Remind me about the stone in case I forget because I'm going to venture off here. You remember when the little babies would come and little kids would jump up in Jesus' lap and the disciples would say, stop them. He's teaching. He said, suffer the little children. Let them come. Children don't jump in mean people's laps. Right? Okay, just a thought. So when you read through, Jesus was a personality. He was enjoyed. And I don't believe every angel is just monotonic, you know, uh, we do what the Lord says. So if he's sitting on a stone, I just imagine he had a little character to him. I imagine I just do. And I believe he showed absolute disbelief. And I believe he goes, what are you doing here? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He got up just like he said he would. What is wrong with y'all? I've watched him for eons. And he's never not kept his word. Everything that comes out of the mouth of God happens. I watched him create your solar system and the millions of others by one spoken word. And here you are looking for him in a tomb and he told you he was getting up. Stop this. Stop. He got up like he said. And if God gave you a promise, I don't care what it looks like, sounds like, feels like, smells like, or what anyone else thinks. If you've got his word, you have it in your hand. It's a done deal. I'm preaching better than y'all are responding, but that's all right. It's okay. Your testings will include trusting God with the things he has withheld. Knowing he is too wise to make a mistake and too loving to be unkind. Paul sought the Lord three times for a removal of the thorn of the flesh. A messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. He said, I asked the Lord three times. And the Lord said, no. To hear some charismatics preach. One preacher got up and said, uh, the Lord never says no. That was the title of his message. Next preacher got up behind him and said, well, if he don't say no, he'll say no. 
Because he says no. Sometimes the Lord says no or not now. And you say, well, I don't understand, John. The scripture says, in all things, whatsoever we ask in prayer, believing we shall receive. He did say that. But God has a small dilemma that you have forgotten about. And God really doesn't have dilemmas, but here's the small one. God's supposed to answer my prayer. Whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Right. But before you prayed that prayer, didn't you in those early years pray, have your perfect will in my life. And God's not answering the second prayer because he's answering, answering the higher prayer first. Does that make sense? Why won't he answer my prayer? He did. All I want is your will. And we don't pray that way anymore and we forgot we used to pray that way. And there's the answer. Sometimes he withholds a child for a season. But if he's promised one, they come. Sometimes he withholds the external manifestation of what we're praying for. But it's not to punish. It's to prove that I'm not in it as long as I can hold joy up on the stage. They were in it before the baby came. So whatever he does, it doesn't matter. I'm the Lord's. Not this. Well, Lord, if you don't do this, then that, that's where the proving takes place. Number four, our testings include obeying God and the things he is requiring. When God asked for the absurd thing, like Noah, it never rained before. And he asked him to build this ocean liner of a boat made out of wood to the saving of his family. When God asked for the diminishing thing where he asked Moses to give up his prestige as the son of Pharaoh and all the wealth and the status that goes with it to lead a peasant vagabond group of Israelites. When God asked for the precious thing, when Jacob lost Rachel, it says that the wife that he worked 14 years for and he loved her so much that it, was, it felt like just a few days. It said that on the way to Ephrata, Jacob buried Rachel. Sometimes people do that. They bury the precious thing. And they don't continue on with God after that because they'll say, well, if God was who he said he was or if God cared, then he wouldn't have took blank or he wouldn't have required this of me. And I'm telling you the truth. If you live with God long enough, you'll have one, two, three, four, maybe more things that you don't have a category for. And you can't understand it yet. And the devil wants you to give an answer for the thing instead of for the one. Explain this. I don't know. But I know that the Lord is too loving, too wise to make a mistake, and too loving to be unkind. And I have come too far now to turn back. And so I'm going to take my unanswered questions. And I'm going to take my disappointments. And they're going to travel this journey with me. So what do you do with your disappointments? You outlive them, baby. You outlive them. And there will be things that we don't have an answer with till we get home. But when we get home, we'll be known as we are known. We'll, we'll have knowledge. We'll have an understanding. People said, when I get home, I ain't ask. You know, they said, I'm going to ask all these things. You ain't going to ask nothing. You're going to be so happy to be there. You're not going to ask nothing. <laughs> When God asked for the irreplaceable thing, Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children. So Isaac, if he loses his boy, that's irreplaceable. When God asked for the only thing. When you read the stories in the Bible, if you take the time and look, you'll see backstory in all of them. And John the Baptist was a lonely man who lived in the wilderness. Didn't really like his clothes selection, you know. Camel hair. I hope it wasn't camel hair on both sides. Because that wouldn't be good. Do y'all ever think that way? You didn't have lining and sewing machines like we had. I hope he had at least some leather or something under there. Because if it was both sides, that, that would make for a... Anyway. Uh, we find him in a, in a prison cell. While Jesus' status and notoriety is increasing. And we see him passing pacing in this little cell and his disciples come to see him and he said would you just go ask Jesus is he really the Messiah or should I look for another one so they went and asked Jesus Jesus is doing his ministry and said uh, Messiah John the Baptist wants to know are you really the Messiah 
This is the same John the Baptist that said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. He will, I baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He, he's the one that pointed him out. What had changed? God required of him the only thing he had. His freedom. Jesus sent word back. He said, you go tell John the Baptist the things that you see. How the deaf hear and the, the blind see and the lame walk and the poor have the gospel preached them. And tell, come here, come here. Tell John not to be offended in me. Because there's a great blessing for those that aren't offended in me. So you know when the guy come back, he told John the things that he said. And he said, John, he knows that this is very hard. Because where others are counting nickels to give him. That's all you had. The sky was your canopy and you lived in the wilderness free. John, is there anything you'd withhold from Jesus? We don't hear another word from him till he loses his head. But this is the part you have to hear. See, the world says, see? See what following Jesus does for you? Do you see? And Jesus turned after the man had asked him, was he Messiah? He sent him back to tell John the things that he sees and hears. And he said... What'd you come out to see? A king dressed in a robe? Are you looking for a man that uh, has fine foods every day? He said, uh, did you come out to see a prophet? Talking of John the Baptist, he said, oh, no, no. He's much more than a prophet. And let me tell you this. There hath never been born a man of woman greater than that man. The man that didn't have faith to get out of prison. The man that didn't have control over his circumstances. If you look on the outside, people create these illusions. Well, if God's with you, it'll work. Did his work? Not in the way you think. He made the roll call of heaven for Christ to declare. And you take everyone from Adam being created up until that time. And he said, he's the best one of them all. That, Moses, best. Noah, best. Major prophets, there's never been more in a man greater than this man. See, some of you are trying to find greatness in your circumstances instead of in your soul. And the soul that is surrendered said, I will follow you. You can have anything. I may not like it. And John, I love the Bible shows the humanity of this man. If the greatest man that's been ever been born of a woman up to that time struggled, I'm okay. Because I'm not no John the Baptist. So if Jesus understood his frailty, he understands mine and yours. But you got to be careful because you need to recognize that God will test you by requiring things of you that he doesn't ask of other people. Don't compare yourself to other people. It will mess you up. Because you're the, see, you compare you to me right now, you go, look at him up there with his suit on and everything. Baby, you're at the end of the movie. I have fought the beast at Ephesus, you know. <laughs> you look at somebody else, they're going through all kind of hell. And you go, oh, I, I don't want to be like that. See, you can't get a good gauge comparing yourself because you'll compare yourself to one person and think you're great. You'll compare yourself to somebody else and think you're inferior. And the truth is you're just you. And you need to govern your faith and guard your heart because out of your heart are the issues of life. And know that you'll be tested. Don't think it's strange. When he puts fire to your faith... Just like when the gold is tried by fire, the hotter the flame, the dross elements come up to the top. That's how you get the carrots. Carrots, the carrot designation in gold just means it's more pure. That means more heat's put to it. Now, be careful. Don't go asking for carrots. God will burn your life up. But the one that wants eternal reward says burn away. And you can't have stuff burn away without stuff burning away. That's the life God rewards. That's the lives that are tested and proven. God will test you. But not everybody's proven because some walk away. And it does get hard. It gets lonely. When you try to, have you ever tried to explain somebody you're testing and they just kind of do the Olin Mills look at you and, you know, I'll pray for you and you go, I'm by myself. I know I'm by myself. I'm, 
I mean, they can pray for you, but they can't get enter into your sorrow and your testing. So, Brother John, what do I do? What, what, do, what do I do? It's something that it, saints used to talk about in church that no one talks about anymore. You remember back when you'd have testimony service before people were crazy? And you could have testimony service without somebody getting up and saying just bizarre stuff. But you would talk about how difficult the situation was. And an old saint would come up to you after church and they'd go, stay there. Do you remember? That's the making of you. Stay there. God's doing it. And you're like, God? They go, yeah. He's getting at something. He's purifying something. He's displaying something. It could be a host of hell that says you are not God's and you don't love God. And God goes, he doesn't? Watch this. And when you are on fire and you say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Your faith is proven. It's not attaining. It's being revealed. I don't like that oven any more than you do or the refiner's fire. That just scares me. People pray like, oh, God's in the fire. I'm like, okay. I know what that means. I am Pentecostal. I'm tongue tongue talker, spirit filled. I believe in all the gifts. But what we were taught growing up ain't right. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And they were happy. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. It's he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Here it comes. Here it comes. And fire. And your life is just like a (laughs) burn. All your stuff's gone. Burn up. What do you think fire means? It ain't feel good. Oh, we had a time in the Lord. That wasn't fire. It might have been emotion. Fire is, ah, that's fire. Right? I mean, y'all help me. Just common sense. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There's empowerment and fire, which is purification. And he only puts on display those that pass the test. Very quickly, two more and we'll be done. Our testings include trusting him or entrusting him with the things he's already given. Entrusting him with the things he's already given. This means not worrying about the preservation of them. This means the willingness to give them back. Isaac was a gift of God. You say, well, God God wouldn't ask for the things he gives. Yes, he would. He does that not to steal back what he's given. He does that to make sure that he's still preeminent in our life. Let me read this to you. I've never seen this until this week in the Word. Malachi 2, 2. Listen to me, the Lord says, and make up your mind to honor my name. Or I'll bring a curse against you. And I'll even curse the blessings you receive. Indeed, I've already cursed them because you've not taken my warning to heart. Sometimes our blessing has become our cursing. God grants you an Isaac, and Isaac becomes the preeminent thing. It'll always be the primary thing, a primary thing, but not the preeminent thing. And that thing that you've clutched like this can curse your spiritual life. And for those that love deeply and are very emotional, they can hardly process that. And I understand that. I'm wired that way. But I know the Lord's watching, and I can't hold anything in my life like this. This is faith. Now, I may pray, please don't take it. Please don't take it. But if he does, you and I are okay. The test of faith, listen to this, is not between hate and love. It's not between love and hate, but between two loves. The things we love dearly and that which we love supremely. And in this last day church, while in many gatherings, regretfully, the word of God is diluted and watered down. And we're going to teach you four ways to have a better tomorrow and six ways to enjoy your spouse. The truth is, God is going to orchestrate your lives in such a way, not like it was when you first got saved, when you were choosing between sin and righteousness, but now between love and love. To see if God is first. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord God with all of your heart, mind, and strength. Him first. God first. It's not that we love our family or our possessions or the things he's given us less. It's that we love him more. That's why he could describe it as 
the difference between our parents and our children if, he, if we don't hate our family. In comparison, it's that he's the greater love. And some people prove that they had an experience, but they were never born from above because once you're born from above, God is your highest goal and your closest friend. And the natural man suffers at the loss of family and friends rightfully, but we don't turn back. May I ask you a question? Is there anything would you, you would not give back to God that God has already given you if he asked you for it? You might say, well, God gave it to me. Why would he ask it back? And here's what I would reply. Anything that God has given you, you can trust him with. Anything God has given you, you can trust him with. And anything he has not given you, you don't have to have. Don't have to have it. Lisa, would you mind coming this morning? Number six, finally. Our testings include worshiping him by our revelation of him and the power of his spirit. Our testings include worshiping him. That we, we may worship him in every season, in every situation, in every trial. Worship that flows from humility. Worship that's fueled by gratitude. Worship that is settled by trust. And worship that is offered in absolute faith. The worship that proves our faith will be misunderstood by man. But it is recognized, received, and rewarded by God. Our testings include not just the right decision, but the condition of the heart. Will you give me preeminence and worship? See, the unbeliever would never give him preeminence. The carnal Christian might consider preeminence. But there's another step. Would you give me first place and worship? And Paul and Silas, while doing the ministry, were beaten, physically beaten, with rods in their fists, closed their eyes and opened their back up, and they were attached to a wall of a limestone jail. The Bible said in the inner dungeon, which means under the dungeon, in their own excrement, naked, chained to a wall they can't see. Silas, this is his first missionary journey. I cannot imagine what it was like in that room. I would not doubt. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but I wouldn't doubt that Silas said, Hey, what are we going to do now, prophet? He says, It's time to sing, son. What? Shh. God's listening. And what that means is he knows I'm humiliated. He knows I'm naked. He knows my back is bleeding. He knows that this isn't what I thought was going to happen. He knows all of those feelings. It's time to sing, boy. And at midnight, Paul and Silas not only prayed, but they sang. I believe those songs are the sweetest melody in heaven when your flesh hates. It's not feel-good song. Because if the feeling is there, then there's enough grace there. I think this is the one where you said, I will bless the Lord. That's my choice. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And here's this middle-aged to older beaten man who bears in his body the marks of the Lord, naked, attached to a wall. And that nakedness was humiliating in this realm and glorified in the next because God watched every scar happen to that body. And there's that naked old man saying, I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. And God tore the prison up. I I don't know if an angel was sent down or God just decided, but it said he broke the foundation of the prison. All the doors opened. See, that type of victory affects everybody around you. Not just you, but everybody around you. And I, by my mechanic statements earlier, you know I don't know anything about construction. But I submit to you that if a foundation is destroyed, that prison does not function anymore. 
listen, he never had to go back in that prison ever again. And when the doors opened, the jailer was running around. He was going to kill himself. Why didn't Paul run out? Oh, come on now. You're in there naked, beaten up, no food. The door swings open. You're gone. Paul's still in there. And he wins the jailer to Jesus. So he witnesses to him in his condition. Why? Why do you stay? Because the Lord led me here. Do you see it? And the glory that was on their life. The proving doesn't make Paul the focus. It proves the reality of the invisible one who must exist for a man to go through that. And finally, Abram takes his little boy up the side of the mountain. I just can't process it anymore as a daddy. I'm sorry. It would be like Izzy saying or Vivi saying, Daddy, there's the wood and there's the fire, but where's the lamb? And he said, God will provide a lamb. And listen, he told the men that traveled with him, he said, the boy and I go yonder to worship. What? Worship? Yeah. Because this, there's nothing else. And he got to the top of the hill. Oh, he did tell him too, and we're going to come back. Because even if I kill him, God will bring him back from the dead because it was a problem. And so faith is just bouncing off. And the humanity too. So he tied his little boy up. All right, Jason, what do you do when the little boy looks at you? What are you doing, Dad? What are you doing? He ties him up. He ties him up. It's contrary to righteousness. It's contrary. And he takes the knife and lifts it toward heaven. And God says, stop. Don't kill him. I know that you not only fear me. That word fear is not just you're afraid of me, but I am preeminent in your life. And he said, look, there's the lamb, uh, the ram caught in the thicket. So for the ram to be right there, while they're walking up the mountain on this side, rams walk, God says, no, no, this just test. This is a test. So this is a test. This is a test. This is a notice from the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. In case of a real emergency, you'd have been notified what to do and where to go. Don't change nothing. Stay there. Trust the Lord. Let the fire burn. Because that which is in you is greater than anything on the outside of you. And it will be found unto praise and honor and glory to the Lord God. Let it prove you, baby. Let it prove you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? This isn't everyone. But you say, I believe my faith is under fire. Not attack, but fire, God's fire. To prove if my prayers were genuine, if my praise was genuine, if my heart is his. And I am still here. I believe you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I want you to know you are not prominent, but you are preeminent in my life. Most of all. And I will stay here by faith. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and just hold it up for a moment. Just hold it up. Nobody looking around. No one looking around, please. Now, if you would, would you stand and lift the other hand up and in your, just your words softly. Not thoughts, but tell the Lord. Worship Him right where you're at today. Said, I bless your great name. I offer you my gratitude. I offer you my song. I offer you my thanks. Blessed be your great name, O Lord, today. I will not withhold my gratitude. I will not withhold my thankfulness. I will not withhold my faith. Those of you believing for a promise, as for the Lord, His way is perfect. He keeps His word to a thousand generations. God will not fail you. God will not fail you. Will not. Cannot. 
shall not. Would the rest of you stand with us this morning? In closing, one more time. Now make sure to rejoice. Though now for a season, if necessary, you're in heaviness through manifold tests. This trial of your faith, your faith being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You haven't seen Jesus yet, but you love him. And you're proving it through your faith. And even though you see him not, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And you will receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Father, I thank you for this time together today. I thank you for the power of your word, the comfort of your scriptures. You've answered the hearts of many today and said, Lord, what are you doing? And now we know. We ask you, O Lord, to make us aware of the grace that's available. We ask, O Lord, that our faith would grow even more unto the appearing of your Son. And we ask you, Lord, that our life would be found worthy of the calling and the name of Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you we don't have to go rousing you from sleep because you watch over us. And he that keeps Israel and us does not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is my keeper and the Lord is the shade upon my right hand. His son will not smite me by day nor the moon by night. God will preserve me from all evil and preserve my soul. He'll preserve my going out and my coming in from this day forward and forevermore. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Saints, have a wonderful week. God bless you today.